0: Hello, today we're going to consider baptism. Uh, Not doing it literally, I hasten to add, but it's the subject our Bible teacher seeks to examine today on Search for Truth. This is your Bible teaching programme and we thank you for tuning in. And it's talk number six in our Basic Bible Truths series. Now baptism is one of the things mentioned in the Bible which happened to new converts to the Christian faith. People have many ideas about baptism, what's its significance, how is it carried out, who does it, when and why is it done, and Brian looks for answers, as always, and where the correct answers might be found. So, Brian, tell us, please. Happy to do that, John, because the words baptism and baptise
1: appear frequently in the New Testament. But to what do they refer? The answers often given to this question reveal a wide range of opinions. The Lord Jesus said to the Father, "'Your word is truth,' So if we wish to know the truth about baptism, we'll have to look for it in the Bible. In the Acts of the Apostles, in chapters 2, 8, 9, 10, 16, 18, and 19, we read about people who were baptised. In each case, they were born-again believers who would already received the good news of salvation proclaimed to them by the apostles and others. We don't read anywhere in the New Testament about infants being baptised. Baptism is only for those who personally believe in Christ and have accepted him as their saviour. And how is baptism to be performed? The Lord used a word that means dipping or immersing in a fluid. So when the Lord's disciples were given the command to baptise other people, he meant for them to be plunged or dipped in water, just as he himself was immersed in the waters of the Jordan River before being quickly brought up again. It actually says of the time when Philip baptised an Ethiopian that they both went down into the water. Then, as if to emphasise the immersion feature, it says when they came up out of the water. Check that out for yourself in Acts chapter 8. Christian baptism, by this means, is designed to symbolise burial and rising again, as explained by the Bible's explicit teaching concerning baptism. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, for example, the Apostle Paul clarifies its spiritual meaning. He says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What's the spiritual reality which lies behind this? Well, when a person believes in Christ, God regards him or her as having died, in a spiritual sense, with respect to sin, the law, and the world. That person is now joined to the glorified and risen Christ and should live in the joy and power of the resurrection. This is what's symbolised in the act of baptism, and so that act requires a burial and a resurrection. Why should we be baptised? Is it necessary to maintain our salvation from eternal condemnation? No, emphatically no. No does it make our salvation more secure? No. Why baptism then? In addition to the meaningful symbolism that we've already mentioned, we should also be baptised simply because it's a commandment of the Lord, to whom all authority has been given. Our motivation for being baptised will be because, since we truly love the Lord Jesus, we therefore want to obey his commands. Baptism is an important step on the path of discipleship. There are other important steps, of course. This becomes apparent as we explore the Acts of the Apostles. There it can be seen that after baptism, the disciples were added to the existing local church. They were added to the Lord and to those who were already gathered together on the authority of the Lord. At Pentecost, all those baptized were added to the Church of God in Jerusalem. It's the same today. A believer should be added to a biblical Church of God. But let's be clear. Baptism is not necessary for salvation itself. Baptism is something we do, it's a work, and so it cannot save us, as the Bible plainly teaches we're not saved by works. In the sixth chapter of Romans, Paul begins by saying, By no means, how can we who die to sin still live in it? This is the basis of Paul's rejection of a we may as well live as we please type of philosophy. He tells them that the reality is that the believer on the Lord Jesus Christ has in fact died to sin. But what does this mean? Let's try to understand it from what follows. In Romans 6, Paul also tells us that Christ died to sin. There must be a consistency between what it means for Christ to die to sin and what it means for the believer on Christ to die to sin, since both these expressions are used in the same place in our Bible. Paul is actually explaining what it means for us to die to sin by stating that Christ died to sin while talking about our identification with Christ, that is, Paul reasons that if Christ died to sin and we're identified with Christ, then it follows that we also died to sin. And as a practical consequence, it would be out of place for us now to lead a life that was dominated by sinful practices. That's the sense of the flow of this paragraph in our Bibles. And to prove that we've been identified with Christ, Paul shares two things. A revelation of what happened at our conversion and an explanation of the meaning of our water baptism. These two things are linked by this thought of our being identified with Christ. It's at salvation, when by God's grace we're saved through faith, that we're identified with the Christ of the cross in his death and resurrection. When we believe, it's as if Christ's death becomes our death, and it's then that we receive new life in Christ. Later, In water baptism, we demonstrate that fact by acting it out, that is, being buried in water and rising again. Water baptism is only a symbolic witness to all who watch it taking place. We are testifying to the faith which has already saved us. So our water baptism is in effect a drama about our previous identification with a crucified and resurrected Saviour. We should reflect meaningfully on our baptism, The Apostle Peter describes this as the interrogation of our conscience in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. This might mean we ask ourselves questions like, should I go there as a baptised disciple of the Lord Jesus? Staying true to our commitment in baptism will save our lives from corrupting influences. Only in this sense can baptism be said to save us. In believers' baptism we make a visible public statement of the unseen faith that's in our heart and which has already saved us from the penalty of our sins. It's as if we're telling all those who are there to witness the event that we are under new management. We're displaying our new Christian identity as being no longer in Adam but now in Christ. Baptism shows our intention to live or to walk in the old Bible language, to walk in that newness of life, the new life we received when we first believed in Christ. At salvation, the Bible reveals to us that our former self died with Christ and we became a new person, effective from the time of our conversion. So then, if we live true to our baptism, day by day, we'll want to be conscious of putting away old behaviours and vices and living a new quality of life for the Lord. In our water baptism... We have a reminder about our need to display our new Christian identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ even as we grow and mature spiritually. We also declare our commitment to live for the Saviour who died for us. I once heard my friend Ed tell a true story about the type of commitment involved in following Christ. In Israel one day, Ed was talking to an Israeli helicopter pilot. The pilot told him how he'd been involved in an accident. His helicopter had flown too near the side wall of the valley or chasm and one of the rotors had struck the rocks. It had come crashing out of the sky. The pilot had survived obviously but one of the rotors had almost sliced his leg off. The surgeon had wanted to amputate it saying it was so badly damaged it would be useless but the pilot had begged that he'd be allowed to keep his leg. As soon as he was able, he got a bicycle and strapped his dead leg to one pedal and pedalled away with his good leg. He did this day after day for a long, long time. Slowly, his damaged leg began to gain power and he was able to rejoin active service. While he was standing talking to Ed, his alarm sounded. Duty was calling. At that very moment, his presence was required in the air due to some threat against Israel's borders. Ed says, that man ran across the car park to his helicopter. And then he added, now that's what I call commitment. Jesus Christ says in Luke 9 and verse 23, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Baptism is the way to begin to show that same calibre of commitment to the cause of Christ. But as well as displaying our Christian identity, and as well as declaring our commitment to follow the Lord Jesus, believers' baptism also demonstrates our love for the saviour who first loved us jesus said in john 14 and verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments and then the lord commanded his first disciples in matthew 28 verse 19 to go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them he said to observe all that i commanded you and they did that For as we've seen, Paul commanded unbaptized believers to be baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus, the single name of the triune God. When we keep this command, like any other, we show our love to the Lord. In that sense, baptism becomes a test of our love for the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. I remember hearing about an unusual test of love. A certain Lieutenant Blantford had taken a book from among the hundreds of army library books at his Florida training camp. In it he discovered handwritten notes in a woman's writing. Her name was written at the front too. It was Hollis Meynell. So he'd got hold of a New York City telephone book and found her address. He'd written and she'd answered. But next day he'd been shipped out. But they'd gone on writing when at last home from his tour of duty he arranged to be standing under the clock at the Grand Central Station in New York waiting for his first meeting with Hollis Maynell whom he was to recognise by the red rose she'd be wearing in her lapel. At one minute to six he noticed a young woman coming towards him. Dressed in a green suit her figure was long and slim her blonde hair lay in curls her eyes blue as flowers. He started toward her It was then he saw Hollis Maynell. She was standing almost directly behind the girl, a woman well past forty, her greying hair tucked under a worn hat. She was more than plump. Her thick, ankled feet were thrust into low-heeled shoes, but she wore a red rose in the rumpled lapel of her brown coat. Blanford felt as though he were being split in two. So keen was his desire to follow the girl in green, yet so deep was his longing for the woman whose spirit had truly upheld his own. Her pale, plump face was gentle and sensible. He could see that now. Her grey eyes had a warm, kindly twinkle. This would be something perhaps even rarer than love. He squared his broad shoulders, saluted and said, I'm Lieutenant John Blantford, and you, you are Miss Maynell. I'm so glad you could meet me. May I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened in a tolerant smile. I don't know what this is all about, son, she answered. That young lady in the green suit, the one who just went by, She begged me to wear this rose on my coat and she said that if you asked me to go out with you I should tell you that she's waiting for you in that big restaurant across the street. She said it was some kind of test. We can think of baptism as a test. Since it's a command of the Lord Jesus whether we submit to water baptism or not is really his test of the reality of our love for him. May I ask have you proved and demonstrated your love have you declared your commitment and have you displayed your Christian identity all by going through the waters of baptism? No? Then what's hindering you? I want to walk with Jesus Christ over the days I live of his life on earth. To give to him complete control of your body and your soul.
0: For him, for him, If this talk or any others for that matter have raised questions for you please write in and Brian will be pleased to help. Now as always I remind you that if you'd like to receive one of the books for this current series please tell us making sure to let us have your postal address and ask for the title Basic Bible Truths and you can order by email or by post and here are our contact details. Search for Truth Hayes Press The Barn Flaxlands Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, sn 4 8 dy UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now you might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle ebooks just type search for truth series into the search box and if there's any difficulty put in the author's name brian's name as well and you'll find them so too soon it seems we come to the end of another program and i hope you found today's talk helpful and interesting and i hope too god willing that you'll be able to join us again next week but until then very best wishes from brian david our singers and me john goodbye and may god's richest blessings be yours i want to So speak to him to pray.